Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words. I pray you would open our minds to them and our hearts to them right now. May you be glorified and worshiped this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, The End Game. The End Game. In April of 2019, Marvel, a comic book and production company, released a movie entitled Avengers Endgame. Most of you probably saw it. What was historically unique about the movie was that it was the culmination of 22 movies that Marvel had produced. The writers took a multitude of fictional characters that had them coexist in the same movie world and then had them all coincide in the final movie to create a kind of super movie. It had never been done in Hollywood before on such a grand scale and it worked. Grossing nearly $2.8 billion, it became the most profitable movie in history. It worked because it was planned. Beginning with Iron Man in 2008, the writers created three phases, totaling 22 movies that would all come together in Avengers Endgame. And so they knew from the very beginning where they were gonna go with all of this, They weren't just making it up from movie to movie. And then when they were all done, they thought, oh, I wish we'd have gone back and done it this way or that way. They had a plan. While Endgame was based on a fictional world of comic book characters, uh, that is for all practical purposes, ridiculous. They did something right. Because in the real world, the one that you and I live in, there are also three phases of history just as they had three phases for the Avengers. And those three phases that we have in our history will culminate literally in the end game. If you watched that last movie, that movie number 22, Avengers Endgame, it all culminated uh, in an effort to, to bring about salvation for the universe. There was this galactic battle between forces of good and evil. Gee, I wonder where they got that. And so in the real world, there are also three phases that will culminate in an endgame, literally. And it will happen exactly that way because history has been pre-planned, pre-written by God. And we are all characters in his production. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 tells us, among other passages, Paul says, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Let me stop right there. He says, God has already written the script. Not just a general idea, not just a a thematic statement. He has written the exact places and times 
for all of humanity. He's finished the script. He has dotted every I and crossed every T. He has started from the beginning to the end. God has completed the script. It has been pre-planned, pre-planned, pre-written by God. Now look at verse 27. God said this, uh, uh, did this so that man would seek him and perhaps reach out for him, and though he is not far from each one of us. So he tells us why he did this. Why does God have such a specific plan? Why not just be spontaneous? Although spontaneity is impossible if you're uh, omnipotent and transcendent. You can go back and forth in time, kind of <laughs> kill spontaneity. But why not? Why not just see how it unfolds? God has a plan. Well, he tells us why he has such a specific plan. It says in verse 27, God did this so that, here's the reason, men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, here's the remarkable thing about this. <clears throat> here's what he's saying. Before the foundations of the world were ever set, before the creation of the universe, God wrote the script. And he thought, how do I want the script to go? How do I want it to end? Where do I want to go with this production? And he had already decided before anything was made that what he wanted to do was create a, a, a species, a being in his own image. And we'll get to that in a minute. A create a being, a species in his own image. And his desire for creating that species, you and me, was so that we would seek him and reach out for him and find him. That's the goal. That's the end game right there. That's, that's the whole purpose for all of this. I find that remarkable that God gives us that, that clear plot description in his word. So today I want to look at that fact and describe to you that in this world there are three phases, two realities, and one outcome. Three phases, two realities, and one outcome. Let's begin with the three phases. Phase one is what we call the Old Testament. It is from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this phase ends at Bethlehem on the night of Christ's birth. It's the entire Old Testament and all the time that it encompasses, that is phase one. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me, for phase two, <clears throat> for phase two, it is during the life of Christ. It begins in Bethlehem at the moment that Christ is incarnated as a baby and it lasts until the moment of his ascension. So Jesus is born as a baby. He grows up, lives a perfect life, <clears throat> ultimately dies on the cross for your sins and my sins and is resurrected three days later. And after being resurrected, he appeared to the apostles on multiple occasions as well as to hundreds of other people and then ascended into heaven in the full presence of his disciples. That's phase two. From Bethlehem to the ascension is phase two. <clears throat> By the way, phase one, everything that God did in phase one was intended to point to phase two. Now, phase three. Now, I've got one right here, Susan. Thank you. <clears throat> now, 
I want you to know my voice is clear and perfect all day long until I come up here. Now my nose is running like crazy and I can't say anything. <coughs> I'll do like any preacher and blame it on the devil. <coughs> or Chris. Chris is the one who infected me, so it's either Chris or the devil. So <laughs> okay. <coughs> Phase three is after the ascension of Christ. The moment that Christ ascended into heaven, the rest of the New Testament, from that moment all the way to the end, if you read to the end, this revelation, and you see the end game in Revelation, you see how it all unfolds and all finishes up. That's the end of the script. That's phase three. By the way, everything in phase three points to what happened in phase two also. So you've got phase one and phase three all pointing to what happened in phase two. That is the, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are the phases. So what phase are we in now? Phase three. I call phase three the end game. The end game. We are in the end times. The moment that Jesus res resurrected and ascended into heaven, we started the end times, the end game. That's where we are. Don't believe me? Acts chapter 1, verse 6 <clears throat> says, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He says to him, It's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. This is our passage for today. And so here he talks about the end game. Here they want to know the script. That's what they're asking him. Can we see the script? And he says, no. So, by the way, they had all these speculative things that they asked and wondered when Jesus, before Jesus died on the cross. They had big plans for him and dying on the cross was not in the plan at all. And so he died on the cross and they're all horrified and they realize whatever fantasy or belief or plans that they had for Jesus all was going to come, had come to nothing because he's dead. But then when he was resurrected and they saw his glorified resurrected body, then game's back on again. And now they're having to rethink everything that they thought about early. Oh, in light of the resurrection, everything changes in the script. And so they want to know the new script. Now, the new script has always been the same. It's the old script. They just didn't realize it. And they didn't listen to him when he tried to tell them. And so that's what they're asking him. They ask him, are you going to do it now? Are you going to restore at this time the kingdom of Israel? How, how's this going to work? Can you give us some dates? Can we, can we calendar in on our Google calendar? And he says, no, it's not for you to know those times. But here's your part. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So there are three phases, before Christ, during Christ, and after the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. Now there are two realities. Those are the three phases, here are the two realities. <clears throat> We're gonna see these in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. Two realities. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. Now, before I continue, right there in one sentence, he's talked, he, he's shared with us those two realities. He says, we are the children of God and everybody else, that's the whole world, is under the control of who? Evil one. So you have children of God 
And you have the world that's under the control of the evil one. You are under the control of God or under the control of the evil one. Which is the third option? There is no third option. You're under one or the other. You're a child of God or you're under the control of Satan. That's what he says right there. Verse 20, the next verse. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. So you have two realities. You have the kingdom of God, which is, and it mentions it three times. What's the description? Which is true. It says true, true, true in the last uh, verse. And so the kingdom of God, which is true, and then the, the world, which is under the, the authority of the evil one, that is Satan, which is a lie. And so you have the truth and you have the lie. You have light and you have darkness, as we see in John chapter 1, verse 1. Those two realities, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. In Colossians, Paul refers to these two kingdoms as the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. No other kingdoms. Every man, woman, and child on this planet, all seven billion, are either in the kingdom of light or in the kingdom of darkness. Those two realities, which reality do you live in? I watched a video this week. Um, I, I'm a pastor, so I watch a lot of videos and read a lot of articles about the church. This particular video, which was on a Christian website, was about the 21st century church. And it was asking, is the church still relevant? Uh, what, what's happened to the church? Uh, how, why have we changed so much that we're no longer impacting and affecting the world? And the truth is we as the church are definitely not perfect because we're made up of imperfect people. We make mistakes. We stumble sometimes. But people say the church has really changed. They say the church is no longer relevant or that it just doesn't connect to our world today. <clears throat> it's declining in some areas and in certain countries. So they say it's failing or it's weaker than it used to be. But is that really true? Is the church failing? Has it really changed? Now, there are several denominations that definitely have changed. In the last generation, just in the last 20 years, they've radically changed their theology I'm not aware, and by the way, they changed their theology to be politically correct because they forgot what kingdom they live in, in my opinion. They decided they were gonna mix some of, the, some of the world kingdom with some of God's kingdom, and that doesn't work. And by the way, I'm not aware of any of those denominations growing. In fact, they're, they're declining at record pace, at a record pace. I can tell you this, <clears throat> here at First Baptist Church, while our building style and our music style has evolved over the years, what this church believes is no different than the church that taught me when I was a child that my parents were part of at First Baptist Church Graham in the 1960s and the 1970s. I can tell you that what we teach here out of God's word is no different than my grandparents' church at First Baptist Church of Moran, Texas. I can tell you that the, what this church teaches from the Word of God is no different 
than what my great-great-grandparents would have taught and believed and heard at their church in Putnam, Texas. Has the church changed? No. Something's changed. But I believe that the church, because it is, it is the bride of Christ, that Christ himself will take that church as a part of his script and he will do with it what he chooses until the end game is over. Our doctrine is not changed because the Bible is not changed. You know, the Bible, the script God has written for his production of humanity from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. And for our critics out there, I have to ask them, have you read the book? <laughs> have you read the script? But while God's kingdom is unchanging, the kingdom of this world is a mess, ever changing and not for the better. Have you noticed? It's a mess <clears throat> because the truth is Satan never stops. There is no depth to which he will not sink. There is no lie that he will not tell. And he will deceive everybody as much as he can, as long as he can, because he is the great deceiver. And our world is a dark, dreary mess. That's the kingdom of the world. This week, toy company Hasbro created confusion only three days ago when it announced that it would drop the mister from Mr. Potato Head's name. In order, I'm not making this up, if you saw the news, they dropped the mister from Mr. Potato Head to be more inclusive uh, and so all could feel, quote, welcome in the Potato Head world. Oh my gosh. It also said it would sell a new place at this fall without the Mr. and Mrs. designations that will let kids create their own type of potato families. Oh my goodness. That's where the world is. This week, we saw a confirmation hearing in the Senate. Did you see that? Where a man dressed up like a woman was the president's choice for assistant health secretary. By the way, I have no judgment regardless of what you're wearing today. And I don't have any judgment for him. I'm not his judge. But I'm not going to pretend that a man is a woman just because he puts skirt on. Or because he takes hormones. Or because he goes to a doctor. That's not my fault. It just is what it is. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we, we can recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of what? Falsehood. Remember the other passage just a while ago. Talked about what is true and what is false. And here he talks about these two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness, and the words, the kingdom of truth and the kingdom of falsehood. So when you see falsehoods in this world, because it's ruled by darkness, it's ruled by Satan, don't be surprised that they change Mr. Potato Head or some guy goes into Congress wearing a dress. As shocking as that is, when he came in this week, and again, I have no judgment for him, I feel bad for the guy. You know why I feel bad for him? 
Because he thinks his identity is in his gender. Well, you know, I, I, I could tell him as a pastor, becoming a woman won't make him any happier. I know a lot of women that are miserable. And women becoming a man won't make you any happier. I know a lot of men who are miserable. In fact, statistically studies show that those who change their gender, quote unquote, through surgery or through hormones or through the way that they dress, statistically they're not any happier once they make that transition. Because that's not their identity. You were created in Christ Jesus for the glory of God. And you know how I know that that's not his identity? Because I've read the script. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That guy who's wearing the skirt, I w wish he were here, I would tell him. Dude, God made you a man. It's not up to you, it's not up to me, it's not up to our parents or our culture. It's up to God. Now, strangely, a conservative senator, his name is Rand Paul. By the way, <clears throat> let me back up just a little bit. You know where they got that? That you can become a man or you can become a woman? That you can change your gender at will? Do you know where they got that? They didn't get it out of science, because scientifically, you're either a man or a woman. And again, I don't have any, I don't mean that condemningly. I'm just saying that's just what science says. They didn't get out of the Bible. We've already read that. They got it out of the thin blue sky. And then as the world does, I found out or noticed this week, they persecute or slander or cancel anyone who does not accept their narrative. So this conservative senator, Rand Paul, questioned the guy dressed like a woman who believes that children, this pediatrician, he's a pediatrician, by the way, the, 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 the guy in the skirt, so that he believes, uh, excuse me, he believes that children should be able to choose their own gender as a child and that mom and dad, their job is to call the surgeon and have him amputate or mutilate their bodies to further the illusion that they can choose their gender. And so Rand Paul said that to him. And so now, since then, he has been lambasted by the secular media as, and this is the term in every single article, is transphobic. He's transphobic. Now, trans is referring to transsexual. Phobic is a Greek word that means fear. That is, he's afraid. You can't just disagree anymore. You, you must have uh, an unnatural fear. Um, uh, and so here's the odd thing. That what they're saying is that Rand Paul has a psychological condition and that the guy in the dress is perfectly normal. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, all right, great, good times. First John chapter five, verse three. Um, but that's the way that our world sees it. And, and this is what God's word says. They don't see it, they can't see it. Don't expect somebody to see through the mind of Christ if they're not one of God's children. They can't do it. So don't condemn them. Have compassion on them. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says this. This is love for God, 
to obey his commands. Listen to what he says. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. There's that statement again. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who, he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So in these two kingdoms, these two realities, in these three phases, two realities, those who believe in Jesus as the Son of God and those who are in the world, you're in one or the other. And who overcomes the world? Only the one who believes in Christ. So there are three phases, two realities, and lastly, there's one hope. One hope. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love this passage. We have hope. What is that hope? His name is Jesus. So what should we do this week and in the weeks to come and in the years to come as this world gets darker? Should we despair? Should we give up? Should we put our heads in the sand? Should we start a war? What should we do? Well, let's look at the script. <laughs> Acts chapter one, verse six. Back to our passage for today. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, again, this is right before the ascension. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. And here's our part. But you, here's your place in the script. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all, all the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, your job, my job and your job is to go into this dark world and share the light of Jesus Christ. That's our job. It's not to despair. It's not just to moan or to complain. It is to go and share the light of Jesus Christ to a dark world. Again, I feel bad for that guy. He's placed in his hope in something as insignificant as his gender. Not that gender is not important, but compared to the hope we have of Jesus Christ, it is insignificant. Your gender won't give you peace. Only Christ can do that. Your gender can't give you forgiveness. Only Christ can do that. Your gender can't give you entrance into heaven. Only the blood of Christ can do that. Hope. Only through Christ. On March the 21st of 1556, this has been a few years, Thomas Cranmers, Cranmers uh, was executed for his faith. Among his final words before his death, he was burned at the stake, by the way. He said this. Every, by the way, this is in King James English because that's how he spoke. I was going to update it for you, but I didn't think that was fair to him, so just bear with me. He said this, and so he's about to die. His final words, he says, every man desireth good people at the time of their deaths to give some good exhortation that others may remember after their deaths and be better thereby. So here's, here's his dying thought. He says, you know, the moment has come and everybody who comes to this moment who dies natural causes or is executed or whatever in the, few, in the last few moments of their life, we want to impart on those around us, those we care about, some statement, some word to remember us by and that will actually help them somehow in their life. And so that's what he's saying. 
And then he says this. So, because he knows that, these words are important. He says, so I beseech God. It's a prayer. Grant me grace that I may speak something at this my departing, whereby God may be glorified and you edified. He said, in my last moments in this world, even though I'm suffering this injustice, even though I'm in pain, he said, my desire at this moment is that God would be glorified and that others would be edified. I find that beautiful. He apparently read the script <laughs> because he had hope. Instead of saying all is lost, I failed. Today, which kingdom are you in? For followers of Christ, make no mistake, we are in the end game, but it's okay. I've read the script. We've already won. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge that you are the author of life, of history, past, present, and future, and beyond. You're the author of this universe, what happened before and what will happen after. The last star goes out in this universe. You'll still be on your throne, still be in charge, and your script will still continue. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may we make that our motto this week as we walk out into this dark world. Help us not to be discouraged or despondent or to give up because we are ambassadors of the light of Jesus Christ. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your church cannot fail because it is the bride of Christ and has the power of the Holy Spirit. Your church cannot fail because you have designed mankind to need you, to desire you. And they can try as best they can to renounce it, to deny it, or ignore it. But the reality is, as we need physical food, we deeply, deeply need spiritual food as well. And we were created in Christ Jesus to be like Him. We were created in your image to be more than just a male or a female. We are created as eternal beings, saved by the blood of the Lamb, ambassadors for Christ. So may we not be discouraged. May we be the victors you've created us to be this week. Not victims, but victors. Not sad people, but soldiers. The end game is here. Help us to fight bravely. 